Hi, welcome back to the CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor CIO. It's that time of year again, with nominations nearly open for the CIO 50 here in Australia and in New Zealand. Didn't that come around quickly? Joining me now are CIO Australia Editor-in-Chief Byron Connolly and CIO New Zealand Editor Sarah Putt. Welcome, guys. Kia ora, how are you? Hello, David. Hey, mate. So now the CIO 50 2020 was arguably the most significant recognition of how tech leaders in Australia and New Zealand help their organisations deal with COVID-19. And as we've heard, it also resulted in five or even 10 years worth of digital projects brought forward. To what extent do you think this year's CIO 50 will be judged according to how well CIOs and other tech leaders made the best use of the crisis, Byron? Well, look, I think it's gonna play a big role. You know, I'm expecting to receive nominations that do have a a strong pandemic uh, response component to them. We saw a lot of them Last year, we saw um, a lot of people from healthcare, and that was to be expected um, because, you know, clearly healthcare it was vital that that healthcare organisations um, deployed uh, technology to to assist in COVID testing and the like. So I'm expecting more of that this year. Companies are still dealing with the fallout. We're seeing a lot of COVID. Uh, outbreaks popping up in Sydney and Melbourne of recent uh, re- in recent weeks. So we're seeing new cases, and and a lot of people are still working from home and in these hybrid work environments. And and clearly, you know, that's something that's not going to go away. And and clearly, CIOs and and their teams uh, need to respond to that. Well, you know, one of the things that came out of last year was from my discussions with CIOs is is that. You know, they'd spent a few years rolling out all these collaboration technologies across their organisations. A lot of people weren't using them, but all of a sudden they are now. And we're really seeing the benefits of, of a lot of those technologies. And people are realising that, you know, work is not a place anymore and, and technology is playing um, such a huge role uh, in ensuring that these new work environments run smoothly. So expecting to see COVID also play an impact in 2021, among other things. Sure. What about across the ditch over there in New Zealand, Sarah? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely echo what um, Byron was saying as well. One of the things I think we're going to be interested to see is what was started in the pandemic or because what was driven by COVID in those months when both our nations were in lockdown. And as, as Byron pointed out, you know, we're coming in and out of lockdown a little bit. Uh, and what has been kind of a, a slight sort of road bump or, or along the way, and what has actually caused, if you like, a completely new path, you know, that has completely changed the IT roadmap for our CIOs. And what was started in the pandemic, that has kept going. That is, is going to be really interesting. I'm also really interesting to see um, customer facing as in not just the internal customer, but the external customer, because more and more I'm hearing from CIOs, as we always have, it's not just about return on investment, it's about driving growth. And some amazing people in both yours in your respective 50 lists last year. Well, I'll talk a little bit about um, about number one in Australia last year. Yeah, our number one in Australia last year was John Sutherland, and he's the CIO at Ramsey Healthcare. John has really driven a high-performance culture there at Ramsey, and this is an organisation that operates 73 hospitals and day surgery units around the place. Um, Technology clearly uh, played a massive role in dealing with COVID. 
you know, John and his team deployed, you know, things like a smartphone screening tool for COVID. They reconfigured areas across all of these hospitals. A tech team helped establish, you know, pop-up testing clinics. They deployed virtual healthcare services, which are playing a huge role. Virtual healthcare playing a massive role in 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 the in the uh, the healthcare sector at the moment. Yeah. And you know, they also dealt with coming. Uh, over there in Western Australia, people coming off a boats and into quarantine and, and, and they passed with flying colours to make sure that, uh, you know, there were no further infections. And, you know, John and his team put together a great nomination last year and it clearly reflected all of the great work that they're doing there at Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and technology is just so pervasive across healthcare at the moment and, and, and organisations like Ramsey really do show that that technology is, is, is really a large part of the, the healthcare journey yeah, I mean, and a, a massive organisation with enormous volumes of data and data points. Similarly, uh, over there in New Zealand, Sarah, with um, Watercare, with Rebecca Chenery being your number one. Yeah, absolutely. It was fantastic to see um, Rebecca's entry and what she'd put, what she'd uh, enabled in the three or four years that she's been Chief Digital Officer at Watercare. Uh, it, she had basically led a major transformation program. A, replacing legacy systems right across the board. So finance, operations, asset management, infrastructure, customers, HR, you know, you name it, health and safety. Yeah. It just went across the board. And one of the things I think that really stood out for the judges in her application, and one thing that would be great for CIOs and, you know, thinking about this year is she absolutely changed the internal perception of information services, of her, of what her team did at Watercare and put a huge emphasis on effective communication and basically things like holding digital days so that everybody in the organization could understand the technology Mm. and the transformation that was taking place. And incredible to have a a woman, you know, win such an award in such a male-dominated. Yeah, for sure. We haven't had a woman in in Australia yet, Byron, but there were three incredible women in the top 10 last year. Yeah, there were. We had, at number two, we had Angela um, Koval, uh, at Johnson and Johnson Medical, and and, yeah. and she led an immediate industry response um, for the use of off-the-shelf technology. So field staff, and there were a lot of field staff, could connect virtually with surgeons in operating theatres, which is a huge thing. I mean, clearly surgeons are, are, are doing some very critical work and, and using technology to, to, I guess, augment what they do uh, is pretty fantastic. And that ensured that the patients and, and healthcare practitioners received the care and support you know, that they're accustomed to, um, despite the lockdown across Australia and New Zealand. In the top 10, we also had Dr. Uh, Kudzai Kanhutu from the Royal yeah. Melbourne Hospital. Um, you know, CIO readers might have read um, a profile piece that you did, David, on Dr. Kanhutu. I think it was just a few months ago and and, and her journey to, to being the Deputy Chief Medical Information Officer at the Royal Melbourne Hospital down there. So wow. she did some fantastic work too and well-deserved, I guess, for her to, to slide into that number 10 position last year. Yeah. Um, some great work around COVID there at the Royal Melbourne Hospital too. You know, her work and, and, and leadership there meant that the hospital could ex- ex- expand its existing telehealth operations as the city became the most, uh, I guess, severely affected hotspot in Australia you know they had some of the world's harshest lockdown restrictions you know Melbourne is still struggling with uh with lockdowns at the moment too and 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 there's been a lot of written about that in the media and I'm sure there will be you know in the coming weeks and months about what's going down on down there in Victoria but you know her work in in digital healthcare 
Kudzai's uh, work in digital healthcare has been has been cited in 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 peer-reviewed medical journals. Yeah, all around the world. You know, and it helps yeah. to in, yeah it helps to inform her peers around the world. So she has a really really important role down there. You know, she's a medical pra- health practitioner, but she's also very good at technology as well. So she's yeah. got some really good skills there. Yeah, a, pro- a proper actual digital doctor. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. <laughs> And also, Sarah, Brian Northern at Fools and Hogan. Tell, tell us a little bit more about your number two from last year. Yeah, so Brian works right across both Australia and New Zealand um, and is the CIO based actually in Christchurch. And um, he he was um, part of the, came in at number two, mm. uh, also in infrastructure. And um, basically, he his entry form really showed that he'd leveraged existing tech investments and simplified deployments using things like one app, one task, digital strategy, um, deployed across 250 locations across both countries. And obviously, again, once again, effective communications around, you know, not just uh, managing upwards with the with the rest of his senior management and um, board, but also throughout the organization really created an effective, you know, deployment and transformation program at Fulton Hogan. And I, I was fortunate to catch up with both Brian and Rebecca and also our third CI in the CIO 50, Kevin Drinkwater, who, who many people will know has retired now from Main Freight, which is a, a mighty New Zealand business. Yes, um, and, and Kevin's been with them almost from the start. But just to go back to Brian and Rebecca, um, they both, you know, I caught up with them at the end of the year just to see, you know, what kind of summer holidays they were having and what they were looking forward to. And and both of them just said, you know, they really want to see more, extend the the remit beyond their own organisations and really looking to see what they can contribute as IT leaders to, you know, to to New Zealand Inc., to to the wider company, to the wider country, and how we are as a nation, um, you know, moving forward with, with our our, our technology and what they can contribute from their knowledge and experience. So yeah. really great to see that. And of course, and, and to say goodbye to Kevin from his active employment in Main Freight, but then also to look forward to, because I know that we'll be seeing more of him in CIO. Yeah, an absolute legend. And also Byron, our number three, speaking of legends, Gordon Dunsford. Yeah, as you say, our number three was Gordon Dunsford, and he's the Chief Information Officer at New South Wales Police. The cops and their and their use of technology to to, to catch killers and deal with disasters like the bushfires that yeah. we had uh, in uh, uh, the summer of 2019, and of course, COVID w- was pretty outstanding. And I mean, and this was an organisation that only a year or two earlier, when Gordon joined them, was very sceptical of the role that technology can actually play. I mean, it was an organisation, even at, at, at that time, that was still very much evolving, evolved from mainframe technology of the 80s and 1990s. 90s era um they were still running lotus notes until very recently well that, that was one of my favorite tech stories from last year Byron. your story about yes love police hanging up lotus notes that's all right that's exactly right they were one of the last organizations i think in the country i think there were yeah. a few others it finally takes, get rid of lotus notes it yeah. takes me back a decade byron just to hear you say lotus notes yes <laughs> absolutely back in the absolutely. 2010s <laughs> sorry absolutely yeah, well, but um, gordon Gordon yeah. had done a great job in turning them around. I mean, it was an organisation that had, had really distanced itself from the IT teams and stopped engaging with them. You know, commands had retreated to making do with workarounds and using these, you know, generic mm. IT tools that yeah. were kind of led by the, the cops themselves without any visibility across the business. And Gordon consolidated teams and created a, um, 
a digital strategy and, and roadmap that's going to work for the organization in, in many years to come. And there's there's a whole bunch of technology. I mean, they're, they're, they're obviously in the envious position of, of now having, you know, significant funds to spend on technology and, and, and they're really doing that. And, and uh, the cops are um, clearly thankful for it because um, it's, it's playing a huge role in, in a lot of high profile cases. Yeah. And as, as Gordon explained in, a recent, in the, an earlier episode of the CIO show, he actually gets out in the cop cars and goes with them out on stings, which is just blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Who said his role wasn't interesting? It's uh, he's right. clearly got a good job in there. Even dangerous. We enable any organisation to use any technology. We help all companies become technology companies, protecting the identity of both workforces and customers, connecting the right people to the right technology at the right time. Opta, one trusted platform to secure every identity in your organisation. So, guys, right. the entry is open next Wednesday, the 23rd of June, for both the CIO 50 in Australia and New Zealand. That's right? That's right. Yes, absolutely. And we're really excited to see what's going to come through. They've got a bit of time, though, David. Yes. Yes. Okay. Not much, but need to get a wriggle on. Yep. So, yeah. closing on the 20th of August. And for you as well, Byron. Yeah, and I encourage people not to wait till the last minute. Mm. It, I think it's better for you to to have, a, as a nominee, to have your entry in as soon as possible and have a really clear message and don't leave it too long. It's also easier for us uh, if you get them in uh, as quickly as you can. You know, you have eight weeks. Everyone has eight weeks, which is, you know, a fair bit of time to, to, to put together the 1,600 words max that are required. Yeah. But, but we'll talk about that in a second. Each, each pillar only has got a word limit of 800 words, but we will talk about that shortly. I'm you sure want to that. So the, the, I understand the formats change a little for, for both the ANZ, Australian and New Zealand's CIO. Sarah, tell me a little bit about how this, um, your uh, formats change this year for NZ CIOs who are, think they're, they're going to have a crack. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, th thanks, David. Yeah, so we're basically, we're going with two pillars and pillar one is demonstrating business innovation, mm -hmm. very similar to, to what we've done in the last couple of years. Uh, and what we're looking for there is describe an innovation or innovations that your team has introduced in the past sort of 18, 12 to 18 months um, and how it's delivered value and the way it might maybe change the way your organization's operated. So I really recommend that people take kind of the biggest transformation that they've done. And as we've already discussed, there's plenty to talk about with COVID. Yeah. And then the second pillar is around demonstrating influence. So it's not enough just to bring in technology. You've got to explain how it came through the, um, the organization, how mm. it was adopted, how it was embraced, if you like. Um, and what you did to ensure that there was a smooth delivery and that you got the entire organization on board. Now, we also have introduced an optional question as well. It's not compulsory, and but we would love to hear about people's um, diversity and inclusion uh, initiatives, either in their own teams or in their organizations and how it relates to their team. We all know that we've got a couple of issues going on in New Zealand right now. One is IT skill shortage, lack of talent, it's a bit of a perennial to be fair it um, it's been going on for some time we're always out and on the hunt for great talent 
With the borders closing, we haven't been able to uh, import talent as we have in the past, um, but we also really want to grow it and, and, and have some homegrown talent and build that IT skills pipeline from uh, and give the, our, you know, our kids in New Zealand an opportunity for these great careers that you can have in technology. Um, and in order to do that, we need to spread the the net wider. So, you know, statistics in New Zealand show that still only 27% of I, the IT workforce is female, 4% of the IT workforce is Māori, and 2.8% is Pacifica. So if we could grow those, um, you know, grow the, the net, cast the net wider, bring in more people, I think we'd have a great, really great um, technology sector in the next 10, 20 years. That's interesting, Sarah. 27% of the ICT sector in New Zealand are women. I mean, that's way higher than the global average, which is around 20%. As you say, I mean, there, there more needs to be done, but well done, New Zealand, for getting it to that level. Yeah. 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 So we'd love to hear those questions, um, some, yeah. some of those initiatives coming through. Yeah, great. And Byron, tell me a little bit about how the, the Australian CIO 50 has changed this year, the format. Sure. Uh, now, in past years uh, in Australia, we've had two pillars. One of them has been innovation and the other one has been uh, leadership. Um, they've changed quite uh, slightly this year. Um, we're still uh, asking people to um, describe uh, their innovations across their business. So they're describing an innovation or innovations that they have introduced with their teams over the past 24 months, so two years, that have delivered real value and changed the way their organisation operates. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's, and that's one question under the, uh, under the innovation pillar. And the other one is, there's two questions. The other one is, how did the innovation or innovations come about? What's unique about them, if there is anything unique about them, and what value do they deliver, deliver to the organisation? So um, they're, they're the two questions, and you've got 800 words to, um, to provide answers to those, to, to provide an answer to those two questions. That's, that, that's the maximum. Um, I would suggest that people... Uh, when they are describing technology rollouts, be thinking about the metrics, be thinking about getting as many metrics, business metrics in there as you possibly can um, that prove uh, what it is that you've done and the impact that it's had on the business. The more metrics, the higher mark you're going to get. Yeah. Okay. It's as simple as that. And the second pillar, like New Zealand, is influence. We've gone, we, we've had leadership in past years, but um, we found that the leadership section from a, from a judge's perspective is, is always hard to differentiate, you know, who's the best leader over another, and over another leader. Um, it, it's a, I think it's a question that a lot of people have, have had problems answering in the past. You know, they talk about running town halls and, and doing social events and, and making sure their teams are diverse. So we're getting, that's all okay and that's fine. That's part and parcel of the job, but we, we, we're getting the um, similar answers from people every year and we want to do something different. So we're going with influence and we want to know um, the ways that, you know, the CIO or, or, CTO or whoever it is 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 nominating influences people other people across the organization and these include c-level execs board members executive executives across other divisions of the organization how are you ensuring that technology is always part of the conversation when it comes to meeting uh, your organization's objectives so you know nominees uh, are going to think have to think about how they influence the business and i think that um, well, hopefully, um, we, we get some really interesting answers around that um, as well. 
So the final question that we have this year is the biggest mistake that you've made in your career, uh-huh. what you learned <laughs> from it, what you learned from it uh, and how you've applied it um, to your, your current role and how you're, you will apply it to future roles, how you think you're going to apply it to future roles. Everyone's made mistakes. I mean, we did a podcast on this recently um, asking CIOs this very question. And it'd be nice to get some some uh, more perspectives from nominees in the, for the for the CO fifty to get some really interesting stories. And I, I think that a lot of people are um, if 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 nominees can be honest about what they've done uh, in the past and what they think they they should have done better and what they actually learned. I think we're going to get some really interesting insights from people. And I love to hear if all the stories. I mean, I think that's the richness of this award, in my view, yeah. is the stories. Um, and it certainly keeps the three of us busy for the next year because we yeah. learn about these organizations. It's such a, it's a real privilege to read these entries. Yeah, and sure. just to understand the depth of thought and thinking that went into them. But just it's just I find it fascinating who's doing what where and why and how and um yeah it just spans a year of stories for us and obviously you know you guys have been doing it with your podcast um I I I love to to lift them for for profiles and case studies um it's certainly it's one of the highlights for me is to read these entries yeah and it's also you know just for all the CIOs out there thinking of entering it's not just about the recognition of them, it's the recognition exactly. of the teams, which is, you know. It's that's a really fun. good point. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I think that's a really good point. It's not just about them. And, and, and so often they do say that it's a way of getting recognition for what their team have yeah. achieved. Yeah. Um, because everybody knows that it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a team game. Yeah, yeah. Well, Byron, Sarah, thanks so much. We look forward no to, to receiving your entries. Good luck. Entries open next Wednesday, the 23rd of June. Probably should answer the supplementary questions, even though we said you don't have to. And please adhere to the word links because we're the ones that have Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks very much for having me. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, the education sector has been amongst the hardest hit by the pandemic, with lessons, lectures, and even whole degrees disrupted, put on hold, or completely abandoned. Meanwhile, travel restrictions have made a huge dent in university coffers by blocking the usual flow of overseas students to Australia. But many universities have stepped up to the challenge, deploying video conferencing, mobile and cloud-based solutions, as well as more sophisticated AI and other data analysis tools in quick time to keep students engaged and connected with their institutions and instructors. In our next episode, we'll be talking with some of the leading CIOs across the education sector in Australia about the tools and strategies they've deployed to maintain and in some cases increase the standard of education offered. We hope you can join us.